Let's uh, welcome Pastor Dan as he brings the message this morning. Thank you. Wow. I knew worship would be good today, but amazing. That was like over the top. Wonderful. Heavenly. I uh, have sometimes asked people, why, why did you choose New Song Church to be your home church? And I'm always hoping they'll, they'll say, because you're preaching. <laughs> but you know what they say? Because of the worship. <laughs> the praise is almost always what they say. They, they, they think preaching's okay, though, too. But, you know, uh, some of you might have questions about the banners. And banners are in the Old Testament. They're wave offerings. The, the Bible in the Old Testament calls us to worship New Testament style with wave offerings. And that's what the banners are about, in case you were wondering what those were about. And, you know, I had a sense prophetically too, David, this morning, and I thought I would just share it now, and that is that I, I, saw, uh, I saw a vision of Jesus receiving our worship and singing over us. We were singing over him, but, you know, that's, there's, that's anchored in the scripture. The Old Testament prophets say that he, I will sing over you with joy. I will sing over you with joy. And, you know, <laughs> so Jesus was singing over us with more enthusiasm than we were singing over him. Wow. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. That, that's awesome, isn't it? And do you know that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing? They were rejoicing and singing too? Do you know I figured it out once that with the number of people that come to Christ every day worldwide... And the reality that Jesus Christ said that not just a few angels, but every single angel in heaven, bar none, everyone is in participation. Every angel rejoices greatly. The word, Greek word is mega. Mega rejoices. All the angels mega rejoice every single time someone repents and turns to Jesus. And that happens with the number of uh, uh, people in the harvest every day. It happens at least every two seconds. That's a lot of happy angels. There is one constant 24-7 party going on, my friends. So every time we rejoice and praise the Lord, we are entering into continuity of heaven. Jesus singing, the angels singing, and all the saints singing. That ought to make you feel good. does me. So there's continuity, isn't there, between um, Resurrection Day and, and uh, Crucifixion Day. You can't celebrate Easter, Resurrection Day, without being grateful for Good Friday, Crucifixion Day. So before we get into the teaching this morning on uh, the Easter story, I want us to have a prayer thanking God for Good Friday. Death for Jesus, suffering for Jesus, good, good, good for you and for me. And for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And that joy was your redemption. He knew he would have happiness over you for these things. So pray with me and think about these things. Let him sink in. 
It's a prayer of John Stott, British theologian. I praise you, dear Lord Jesus Christ, living Jesus Christ, that you took our place. You bore our sin. You became our curse. You endured our penalty and you died our death. You took our place, you bore our sin, you became our curse, you endured our penalty, and you died our death on that cross. And we praise you that on that third day, Jesus, you rose from the dead to enforce what you purchased on the cross throughout eternity for your blood-bought ones, including us. And everybody said, Amen. Um, what Sean read for us so, so well, I, I love, one thing I love about it is the detail. You know, when uh, John's writing it, it's his firsthand account. And he, 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 he wants to say, first of all, he doesn't refer to himself as John, he's the disciple that Jesus loved. That one outran Peter. <laughs> and then the detail of when they went in the empty tomb and the linen cloth and what was on his head, shroud, was folded. It's like Jesus, in just a determined way, you know, rose from the dead and just like someone would get out of bed and fix the bed nice before they walked down to have breakfast, he folded it, folded it up, or had an angel do it. Just a determined factor. He says, you know what? This is, John and Peter are going to see this in a little while. And it's going to be in the Bible, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. And this is detail, the detail of the resurrection that I absolutely love. And it's absolutely true. It's not a, faith is not a blind leap in the dark. It has verifiable evidence takes way more faith to not believe the resurrection than to believe it. And it's totally fact-checked. It's totally fact-checked by God himself. It's true, my friends, and we own it. This this message is is entitled Peter's Personal Run to, to, to Revival, Personal Run to Resurrection Revival, Jesus. A full-on Jesus revival. This is Peter's personal run. I see Peter's and John running to the empty tomb as being a paradigm, a a prophetic symbol of not only Peter's and John and every disciple's, including yours, run to, full-on run to the resurrection revival of Jesus, running to Jesus, and... We're going to talk about that as uh, the template for this talk today. We see a running motif here, don't we? We see, first of all, Mary running to tell, tell the disciples what she saw. The tomb's empty. We see John and Peter running to the tomb. We see later the Apostle Paul talks about running. He says to Timothy, I fought the good fight. I have finished my race, I've kept the faith. So he he talked about his whole life being a full-on run to Jesus' Jesus revival. And he tells Timothy in another spot, 
sorry, he tells the Corinthian church in another spot, the whole church, you guys, front and center, look me in the eye. He says, run to win. Don't add a little religion to your life as some kind of superstitious thing that maybe God will make things go well for you as some kind of a lucky charm. But whatever you do, whatever the cost, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hinder you. Whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, don't let it get it away. Whatever price you have to pay, let it be a full-on run to Jesus Christ and his resurrection presence. Let it be a run. Let it capture your heart, captivate your imagination. Put all your eggs in that basket. We see running as part of the Brownsville revival in the mid-90s with the teenage girl Charity singing, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat. Disciples run. We see Rodney Howard Brown's outline for evangelism, calling people to repentance, not by saying the words, now you need to repent, because people don't even understand that language. You'd have to give definition to it. But when we share the gospel with people, we always say, always remember to run to God and not from him. Run to God and not from him. Run to God and not from him. Now, Peter's personal run to revival was marked by a few things. It was marked first by God's intervening activity in Peter's life. There's an a priori activity. There's a something that happens. There's a backstory to every disciple's run to Jesus, and that is God running to you first. There's love overflowing his heart. You matter to him. Right now, feel how much you matter to him. And then realize this is the tip of the iceberg. It's so way, way much more than that. You matter to him. He loves you. He's chosen you. He's elected you. Of course, the elect are whosoever will. And the non-elect are the whosoever won't. So if you have any kind of desire at all towards Jesus, and I believe everybody here does or you wouldn't be here, there is a fan of being flamed of the fire that's in you. Some have a roaring bonfire and some just a little candle, but God is stirring it. God is running towards you no, with no less passion than the dad who had a prodigal son run off and spend all his inheritance and, and self-destructing his life, who when his dad in his aching heart saw him in the distance coming home, what did that dad do? The Bible says he ran towards his son. And gave him a hug and a kiss and put a ring on his finger and threw him a party. I want to tell you, behind, behind any desire to run to God, and it is there because he's put it in you, there is, there is the Father running to you first. 
Don't forget that. This isn't about us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and trying to make something spiritual happen. This is us responding to overwhelming grace. I've got to welcome everybody at home. That's for you too. Don't forget that. So here's some examples for Peter. The angel tells the ladies who saw the empty tomb, go tell the disciples that I'll meet him in Galilee and tell Peter. Why? Because Peter had had a pretty rough experience as a disciple towards the end there. Have you ever had a rough experience being a disciple? You're going you're gonna to betray me. You're going to deny me. I mean, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. Couldn't you pray one hour? Put that sword away. Shouldn't I drink the cup the Father's given me to drink? Don't be cutting people's ears off. These are the last words that Peter heard from Jesus' lips. When you've had a loved one move to heaven, surprisingly, do you ever wish that the last words might have been different? This is what Peter was experiencing. He'd been in a tough spot before. Jesus had preached, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody that was interested in church growth just scattered. (laughs) And the disciples were even mad. Like, you are not really doing what you're supposed to be doing here. Benny Hinn would never do this. Billy Graham would never do this. Jesus turns to Pete and says, you're going to go? You're going to leave too? Peter says, where would I go? Where would I go? I have no place to go. You're You're the one that has the words of eternal life. You are my glimmer of hope for anything eternal. But now the person that said that is dead. How much hope is left? You are Peter, Cephas. You are Peter, Simon. I give you the nickname Peter. And on this Petros, which means rock, I will build my church. Yes, I knew I had this in me. I always knew there was something special about me. And the one that prophesied that is now dead. Dead. Where's the hope? And suddenly, suddenly, In my horrible grief, in my utter despair, in my personal journey 
where there's no place to go and the last three years have been an utter waste. They're telling me the tomb is empty. What shall I do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I can't say I believe. But any revelation I have at all of the possibility that those strange things he said from time to time about rising from the dead, if with hope beyond hope it could be could it possibly be true? If there's any glimmer of possibility, I don't care if John does outrun me because I'm a bit overweight. <laughs> I'm getting there and there's nothing stopping me. My own concerns about my failures and my regrets in the last moments with Jesus. My self-image is utterly devastated. I have no right to call myself a disciple. That's not going to stop me. Is it going to stop you? Concerns about persecution. We're running towards soldiers guarding the tomb that are weapons, weaponized. That's not going to stop me. Fears. And moving forward, Financial concerns are not going to stop me. I don't care if I do have to walk 40 miles to go fishing again to make ends meet because the treasurer of our ministry committed suicide and we don't know where the bag of money went. Besides, no one's really given to the ministry of Jesus lately. I got to go fishing. I think it's significant that the word here says that after this experience of them running to the tomb, John and Peter, it says that they went to their own homes. I think that they had temporary homes in Jerusalem, which means probably some stress points for their families. We know Peter was married, probably had kids. There had to be some stress points there. But I want to tell you, there will there will be no revelation of Jesus' resurrection in your life or mine if we're only thinking about revival meetings. It's got to be in our homes, no matter what stress points are in our homes, no matter what financial stress points are in our homes. If it can't happen in home, in our homes, it, it's not going to last with a run to revival for a lifetime. But if it can happen to your home, in your home, I think that's why it was included in the Word. It becomes a springboard for moving on to a life of running toward revival and to revival. Everybody okay? I love it when people run to hope. A glimmer of hope. I taught sixth grade in 19, the school year 1982 and 83. I taught sixth grade and I had two gerbils in my classroom. And their names were silence and prudence. (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't want him anymore at the end of the year. I was moving to Astoria to be an associate pastor there, and I, did, I, I didn't want gerbils. So I had a, a drawing for the 36th grade students to see who would get silence and prudence. And a, and a young, young boy named 6th uh, grader, 12-year-old, named Jerry won the drawing. And I'll never forget the look on his face and the quiet words he said, almost in tears. Jerry said, I've never won anything in my life. This is the fir- Mr. Mickelson, this is the first time I've ever won anything. And he was just so happy. I felt like that was a gift from God to Jerry and to me. Jerry was an interesting character because he had a lot of good qualities, but I could never get him, as in, in, as in sixth grade grammar English, to put a period at the end of a sentence or a question mark at the end of a question. He just wouldn't do it. But I'm glad he won the gerbils. Ironically... Nowadays, on social media, people are always eliminating periods, and so Jerry's happy. (laughs) He won. Mr. Mickelson lost. (laughs) A very simple application. Wherever you're at in your faith in Jesus Christ, the word here says John believed. Peter still had doubts. The other disciples still had doubts. When the women told them about the empty tomb, the word says the disciples didn't believe. Well, we know John believed, but the other disciples didn't believe. Whatever point of revelation you have, whether it's full-on, ever-increasing revelation of Jesus' life, or it's just a glimmer, or just... Or just the possibility of being open to the idea that there could be a glimmer. <laughs> you, you might even be able to say, I have no glimmer. But I, I, I'd like to have a glimmer. I, I want to tell you, that's a God glimmer. <laughs> Here's my pastoral advice. I was going to say run like the devil towards it. I better not say it that way. Run like Peter towards it. Any. Because when you do, it'll increase. God's intervening activity. Peter's personal run revival was marked by stubborn determination. No regrets. No, no failures were going to stop him. No persecution. No comparing himself to other, others. No financial or home stress points. I will pay any price to, to get to that resurrected Jesus. If I have to go through every apologetics book currently written to buttress my rational faith, my logical faith, to, so I can have some clear evidence, I will do that. Nothing will stop me from my run. That is what Jesus is inviting us to today. Three, 
Peter's personal run to revival was marked by ever-increasing revelation of the resurrected living Lord Jesus Christ. Already been talking about that, so I'll be quick on this point. I had mentioned to you before that when I first came to Christ at age 16, every morning before school, I would go into... uh, My dad had built a sauna in our garage because we lived in Finnish country in Battleground, Washington. And I didn't go in to take a sauna. I went in to pray. And I would get on my knees in the pitch darkness. And I would would say quietly to myself, Jesus Christ is alive and he loves me. It was a declaration before I even knew there was such things. I would say it and that would set the tone for some time of praise and prayer. Easter is for every, every day, Resurrection Day. Jesus is alive and he loves me. Can I trouble you to say that right now with me? Say it out loud. Jesus is alive and he loves me. That was pretty good. Let's say it together. Jesus is alive and he loves me. Peter had several revelations. He was there when Jesus appeared to all the disciples. Thomas wasn't. Thomas missed church that day, and he missed out on resurrection blessing. He got one later when he came back to church, so try not to miss unless you have to. (laughs) Yeah, pastor would throw that in, wouldn't he? His revelation continued for 30 years. So he writes, 30 years later, Peter writes in his letter, 1 Peter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd sing it if he was at New Song Church. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, that is, caused us to be born spiritually, to a living hope, how Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he is totally excited still 30 years later. Revelation upon revelation upon it deepened. And I want to tell you a way that will deepen your revelation of Jesus. It's music. Billy Sunday, a baseball pro in the early 1900s that became an evangelist, effective evangelist, He said this, that's the real revival which sets the saints to singing. Song has always been inseparably associated with the advancement of God's word. You'll find when revival is at a low ebb, the song will cease. Song's not ceasing around this joint. The place of music in our ever-increasing revelation of the resurrected living Lord Jesus Christ is just huge. I was born into Jesus Christ through the Father's miraculous power and the Holy Spirit regenerated. I came to Christ when I was 16 as part of the Jesus movement at the time. One of the the, uh, music groups was called the Second Chapter of Acts. Anybody ever heard Second Chapter of Acts? I want to prove to you right now and demonstrate to you even if the music is a bit archaic for some of, some of you, a little old-fashioned, listen, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church in the words. It's called the Easter song. 
I think you'll be blessed listening to it. Stand with me. Stand up with me. We're going to have a team of uh, people ministering. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever to ministry, healing to whatever need you have, body, soul, or spirit. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to Jesus. I want to appeal to you. If you'll run to Jesus, like Peter, you will never regret it. He's the bread of life. Nothing satisfies your deepest soul like Jesus. If you have intellectual problems or you feel like you just can't have faith for that, do yourself a favor and Read some books uh, about apologetics. There's some good ones out there. Who, who knows a good one they can say right now? The Case for Christ. The Case for Faith. Yeah, and there's others. The Case for Creation. Lee Strobel. Do yourself a favor. And whatever else you do, all of us, whatever 
revelation that God has given you and His running to you as a prodigal, giving you a kiss on the on your cheek and giving you a hug and putting a ring on your finger and throwing you a party. Whatever level of revelation you have, even if it's none, but you're here today because someone else has faith for you. Do yourself a favor. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let any price be too high to run to a Jesus, your own Jesus revival. To run to your own Jesus revival. Put your hand on your heart. Thank you for this word, Jesus. This example of Peter. Hallelujah for the resurrected Jesus and the joy he has in heaven and the joy of his saints all over the earth on this day and every day because he's alive. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. We love you. Jesus loves you. Go out of here with a smile on your face, song in your heart, a dance in your step, okay? God bless you.